It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. To get this show every day, I needed to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Also, don't forget, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Mets. Well, it is official. There is an agreement. Players are going to report next week. We will get baseball this summer, and I know fans are thrilled about that. Going to be talking about it throughout the entire length of the show today. I might get into the ownership stuff with the Mets a little bit in the second half if we have time, but the big story is the fact that baseball is set to return. Before we get into that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, check me out on Twitter, at FinkelsteinRyan. You can also find... Some I'm writing about the Mets at MetsmerizeOnline.com. And actually, depending on when you're listening to this, at 9 o'clock probably, uh, there will be an article that's going to go out uh, Wednesday morning that I wrote, what we know about baseball's return. And I basically highlight all the things that have been coming out because there has been a ton of information as we look towards now a season starting. Before I get into that, though, Let's just kind of go back a little bit to yesterday's show. I ended up recording a little sample there at the front end of the podcast with a little bit of information about what had happened because things had changed. And here's what happened. On Monday, you had Major League Baseball submitting their proposal to the players. The players voted it down. Commissioner Rob Manfred then decided to implement a season based on their agreement from March 26th, where the players and the owners agreed to how to start a season. Part of that agreement was they might negotiate further. Now that is it. They are going based on the original agreement. That means that players are getting their full prorated salary, and it also means that the owners and Commissioner Rob Manfred could implement whatever length of season that they wanted. By choosing 60 games... You have to give the owners and commissioner, Rob Manfred, a lot of credit at a time where nobody wants to. But they could have said 48 games. They could have said, you know, 50 games, 52 games. They could have nickeled and dimed the players. And instead, they are giving the players a full prorated 60-game season. And they're giving the fans a 60-game season, which fits into the time window. I understand Everyone wants to see 100 games. Because of where we are right now in the calendar, a 60-game season is going to be hard enough to get in for the playoffs not to be interrupted and for them to be you know, wrapped up with baseball at the end of October, really. So this was a really good resolution for everyone involved right now. I think the players have to be happy that it's going to be 60 games. And now they're starting to put the pieces in order to have a season as far as the health and safety, which continues to be the big shadow 
over all of this because as much as we want to say awesome baseball's back let's let's get to spring training and I can't wait to CSNY and Gary Cohen, Ron Darling, Keith Hernandez broadcasting a real Mets game as part of the 2020 baseball season. As much as we all want all of that, the reality is there is still a lot of I's that need to be dotted and T's that need to be crossed, and there's a lot that goes into this. So I'm just going to kind of go through some of these rules and some of the things that the league's going to try to implement to make this as safe as possible. First of all, players are going to begin reporting to spring training on July 1st. As always for a normal spring training, pitchers and catchers will be the first to report, and then the other players will trickle in. All team employees have to submit to in-depth screening when they arrive to camp, and of course there's going to be testing throughout the entire season every couple days or so. Now, there's going to be three phases, apparently, to spring training. First, you're going to have players work out individually and in small groups. Then, later down the line, they'll have larger full-team workouts, and eventually, there's going to be you know, a certain number of spring training games against other teams. The schedule for all of this is still not put into place as far as who's going to play who, how is that going to work out. I can see it being as simple as, you know what, Mets and Yankees, you're right by each other, you're in New York. You're playing all of your spring training against one another. You're going to play five games, and you know maybe they do enough exhibitions in-house or whatever it is that can get these guys ready. But every game presents a risk. So I think you know burning a lot of risk on an expansive spring training schedule just doesn't make sense. So I don't know how many games we will see. Now, I don't think I've talked about this yet, but the Mets will be playing spring training in New York, not in Port St. Lucie. Florida has had a ton of COVID cases recently, particularly in Port St. Lucie, so it didn't make sense for the Mets to play there. It didn't make sense for the Yankees to play in Tampa. And also, if you can just keep everyone in one place, in their home ballpark, I think it just makes the most sense. So both the Mets and the Yankees will be playing spring training in New York. Now, because there's not minor league baseball this season, it's going to be a little bit interesting to see how these teams can you know, stay afloat and deal with injuries. Part of that is going to be extra players. The Mets are going to have potentially two spring training sites, City Field and MCU Park. MCU Park is, of course, the home of the Brooklyn Cyclones. So if that's the case, you would assume that Brooklyn would remain as kind of the second host site for Mets players, for the guys that aren't on the active roster. I think everyone on the 40-man roster is going to be used at some point this season. There's going to be guys at certain points that are going to have the coronavirus, and when that happens, you're going to need fill-ins. So the whole 40-man roster will be utilized. There's also going to be 20 extra players from uh, that team that the team will designate, assuming you know minor league players, that will be part of this taxi squad. So you're going to have 60 players that could be playing on the Mets this season. That's the player pool that they will draw from throughout the year. The teams have to submit their list of 60 players by Sunday. Also, they're going to start with a 30-man active roster for games at the beginning of the year. After two weeks, they'll drop that down to 28. After four weeks, 
They will go back to the traditional 26-man roster. Teams can also carry three taxi squad players with them on the road, but one of those players must be a catcher. Otherwise, they can only have two. So you can have a max of three, but one of them has to be a catcher. Finally, the trade deadline, which usually would take place at the end of July, July 31st would not take place on August 31st. And to be eligible for the playoffs, players must be added to a big league roster by September 15th. I kind of think that's ridiculous. That's probably a podcast for tomorrow or later on in the week. The whole idea of having a trade deadline and doing trades during a pandemic, to me, is ridiculous. I'll get into that later on. But that's kind of the baseline for the roster construction. I'm going to talk about some of the other rule changes and more in just a second. But first, I need you to go out and get some built Bars because they have become my favorite part of the day. I love when I get to open the wrapper of a nice built Bar and get a healthy and delicious snack. There are 16 amazing flavors of built Bars. They truly are protein bars that taste like candy bars with all bars covered in 100% chocolate. These bars come... Low in calorie, low in sugar, high in protein, high in fiber. If you want to try them today, go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off your first order. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. Alright, so some of the rule changes we're going to see in this 2020 baseball season are the universal designated hitter, which I'm sure National League fans might not love, and generally I would say I like watching National League baseball, I've grown up watching it, the strategy and all that stuff. At the same time, for this particular team, UNS Espinas can now be a designated hitter, Robinson Cano can be a designated hitter. Pete Alonso could be a designated hitter. J.D. Davis can be a designated hitter. Dominic Smith can be a designated hitter. This gives the Mets a ton of options. Even Jed Lowry could be a designated hitter. So I think I've talked about this at some point throughout this uh, you know, off period here. But Universal DH helps the Mets, and that's going to be the rule for this season. Another rule change, and one I don't like at all, is the adoption of the minor league extra inning rule. If the game is tied after nine innings, each team starts with a runner on second base, and then you know you go on as usual. That runner is the player who made the last out in the previous inning. Pinch runners are allowed. If the designated runner scores, it will not count against the pitcher's ERA. Basically, what happens from my experience watching minor league baseball, which was covering the Palm Beach Cardinals, a high A team, and they're in the same league as the Port St. Lucie Mets, I covered them a couple years ago, and when I watched these games, what you saw happen is essentially runner starts on second, first batter comes up, squares, sacrifice bunt, try to move them to third. If they don't get the bunt down, they might usually strike out, and you have one out, and it's then you might get a more interesting scenario, honestly, but they get the bunt down, runner goes to third, then at that point, everyone's swinging for the pop-up, Try to get the fly out. You get the sack fly. Runner scores game over. It's not an exciting ending to a game to me. I would prefer if they did something a little different. I would go for an extra inning home run derby. 
That is the dream scenario. And I don't understand why they don't try out something like that, especially right now, because they have a pitch clock at all these ballparks. Wouldn't be that hard to say each team after 11 innings, throw your best hitter out there. They have two minutes or three minutes. Whoever hits the most home runs, their team wins. I know it's a little bit crazy, but to me, that's exciting. This rule isn't exciting, and if you're going to get away from just traditional baseball, which I'm fine with anyway, let's just play the game the way the game is played. If there's a 15-inning game, whatever. But they don't want to do that, especially right now, with 60 games potentially being played in a 66-day schedule. So I understand it. I get why they're doing it. I just think there's a more fun way to do that that would actually bring a lot of excitement into the game. Now, another rule change. Prior to the season being suspended, there was going to be a new rule that would prohibit position players from pitching unless the game went to extra innings. That rule has been thrown out. The three batter minimum for pitchers will remain, though. Now, pitchers will be allowed to carry a small wet rag in their pocket to avoid licking their fingers. Um, Finally, games that aren't official, you know, they go less than five innings due to the weather, can be resumed at a later date. In the past, those games would just be replayed entirely. But, of course, as they're trying to get all these games in, if a rainout happens, they want to say, look, take the game up in the fourth, finish it out, and then play your next game or whatever it is. You look at all this, and, you know, there's other rules like fighting is prohibited now and no buffet-style food. And I think also they're not supposed to get within six feet of the opposition, the opposing team, before or after games, but of course during games they can't prohibit that. I mean, what are you going to do, not hold a runner on first base? With all that being said, there is a mountain of rules. I mean, you're talking about an operations manual that's hundreds of pages long. I mean, it started at 67. They said they added 40 pages so far. Who knows how many more pages get added to this thing. And you look at all of it, and it's just... It's going to be dicey. It's going to be hard for this to happen and for them to have a season without a hitch. And if an outbreak starts, you know, you saw the Phillies at their minor league facility. They had guys working out and eight players or eight people tested positive for the coronavirus. If that happens, if you start to have an outbreak, I don't know if the season can continue. They're going to try to keep things moving. They're going to have 60 players available to each team and, if someone goes out with the coronavirus, they're going to be on a, a CL, if you will, the coronavirus list, and or a QL, a quarantine list, and they're going to probably have to be isolated for, who knows, two weeks or however long it's going to take. So if you see, you know, what do you do if Jacob deGrom, Steven Matz, uh, Marcus Stroman, your entire starting rotation ends up testing positive. How do you deal with that? So I am still hesitant to say, yeah, this could go off without a hitch. Baseball's back. You know, Don't have to look any further into it. I still think there is a lot of questions and concerns that are going to come up, but they're going to try, and I'm happy they're going to try, and I'm happy that we're going to potentially get a really good distraction right now when a lot of us need it. Everyone wants to watch the Mets again, and I think this is all positive news. 
at least we're done with the negotiations. At least we're done with owners griping at players and players griping at owners. For the time being, there's peace. For the time being, everyone has decided to, I would say, hold hands and go in the right direction, but to stand six feet apart from each other and walk in the right direction towards having a baseball season. Hopefully it works. I think that's that's all we can say at this point. When it comes to Mets ownership and stuff, I mean, I think that's an episode in of itself. There is a lot of new faces popping up. There is a pair of international investors that apparently are worth more than Steve Cohen that have entered the fray. Uh, I don't think I talked about the Florida Panthers hockey owner uh, being part of the J-Rod investment group with Alex Rodriguez, Jennifer Lopez, Mike Rapoli, and more now. So that group continues to kind of bolster itself. And then you still have to wonder about you know, the Philadelphia Sixers uh, ownership group or Steve Cohen. There's so many different elements to that. We'll see how that continues to progress over the coming weeks. And you know, there's going to be a lot of news breaking about how this season is going to start. And we are suddenly a week away from spring training. So, or what do you call it at this point? They're calling it spring training 2.0. They might as well just say summer training or something else, but whatever. There's baseball. Thank you. There's finally baseball. Hopefully it remains for the entirety of the summer and this season. As always, thank you for listening. Please remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Also, don't forget to Tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Mets. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.